We're so happy that you're here, and if you're a guest with us this morning, we welcome you also, and, and uh, we trust that you'll not feel like a guest when you leave the church, that you've established some friends and, and acquaintances while you're here. <clears throat> we want you to take that connection card that's right in front of you. If you'd uh, just complete that, we'll send you a note later in the week, but also, this is for everybody. If uh, you have a prayer need or something, there's a place on the back that you can write that and uh, we do want to you to do that we pray for these things we really do and um, try to follow up on them i'm going to ask you to stand as we read from the word of god this morning i'm reading for one of the greatest books in the bible it's the last book of the bible the revelation of jesus christ and i'm going to begin reading in verse chapter 21 the bible says now i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth that had passed away, and also there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them. And, they, and he, their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to those who thirst. And he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for this day. And we start this day by reading from your word. Your word is infallible truth. Your word has been breathed by God. Your word is favorable to us and it tells us about, it instructs us, it, uh, it directs us, it gives us guidance. <coughs> so Father, I thank you today for your loving kindness, for your presence. Father, I pray that your presence will become more and more real as this service uh, moves forward. I pray that the touch of God is going to be evident upon people's lives and in their lives. I pray that you'll encourage, you'll strengthen, you'll touch lives with healing and hope and, and care. I pray this, Father, for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, amen. A little bit here. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of the Revelation, chapter 22. Revelation, chapter 22. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Today, folks, I'm speaking about eternity, specifically heaven. You and I, all of us in this room today, all of us, we are now closer to heaven than we've ever been before. It's an interesting way to think about it, isn't it? We're all closer. And whether you're 10 years old or 20 or 40 or 90, 
You're closer to heaven today than you ever have been in your life. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 20, verse, beginning in verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits. And each tree yielded its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him there. They shall see his face, and his name will be upon their foreheads. One of the things that we need to realize, I think in... <clears throat> We need to realize that at any stage of life, we may be living out our last chapter of life. I think that's important for us to understand and to know this, that that last chapter sometimes is for those who are very young, some at middle age and at the prime of their life and others in their later years. We need to recognize, I think it's important that we recognize that this world has never been meant to be our home. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. Please understand this. There may be nice things about this world and maybe you have nice things that surround you and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But heaven is our home. We're heading home. Heaven is our destiny. Heaven is our hope. God has placed eternity in our hearts. You know, the thing of it is, when God created humanity and when God created all the things that he did create, he created all these animals, all these things, all this stuff going on. And then he created a man and he created a woman, but he did something different with that man and with that woman. He implanted within that person a soul, a spirit that was wired, if you will, hardwired for heaven. He didn't do that with any other, anything else in his whole creation, but he did with you, he did with us. He hardwired us for eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, God has set eternity in our hearts. John chapter 11 verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes on me shall never die. John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I'd have told you. We've got one of those. One of those is prepared for us. His word tells us that. And that's a guarantee. In heaven, our questions get answered. And all of these things, there are many things about this life that in my mind are very terribly confusing, but in heaven we get the answers. I believe one of the best words in all of the English language is, is, the, is that very simple little word, home. I like this word. Home is a special place. It's a place of refuge. It's a, it's a place where there's warmth, where there's love, where there's acceptance, and, and so much more. Home. What about you? What was your best recollection of home? I, I, I should have probably set something up and had, a, had four or five people just stand and say, this is what I remember about home. 
And there would be, there would be just so many wonderful uh, recollections, wonderful thoughts of home. When we lived in North Dakota, I know this from my experiences anyway, it was always good to come home. Because I was gone from home about as much, more than what I was probably there. There were many late nights, and I probably should say more like early mornings, and I'd come back into that little college town, and I could see the lights of our chapel and its tall uh, pinnacle that was on that building. It was lit up. I could see I'm almost home. Not too far now. Some of the richest music in our church is about heaven. We sang a little bit of it this morning. There's others, I feel like traveling on, mansion over the hilltop, just over in the glory land. All of these songs, these are great songs, wonderful songs that stir our hearts and, and uh, give us maybe just a, that tiny, tiny little sliver of glimpse about heaven. Slaves of 150 years ago would sing, coming for to carry me home. Christian people have always thought of heaven as going home. Most of the time in any kind of a funeral message I might, I might share, I often said, he or she went home to be with the Lord forever. It's going home. Going home. I think many of us here probably had an opportunity to uh, see or, or see a replay of some of the Billy Graham uh, funeral and everything. I, I, I didn't get to see it all. I saw most of it. But home was on the minds and the words that were being spoken concerning heaven. We're going home. Now, I realize also, I want to be recognizing this too, that likely there may be people sitting in this room today, right now, in which home is not exactly as I have described it. Home for you was far less than an inviting place. Instead, it was a place of chaos. It was a place of pain and hurt and, and all, kinds of, all kinds of other things, all kinds of negative things. And getting away from home perhaps was your goal. I'm preaching this message this morning about home, and it's also about you, because heaven is unlike any other home <clears throat> that we can imagine here in this life. As God's children, we really are able to come home. Heaven is a place where we never have to wonder if we're accepted or loved or needed or appreciated or any of those other things that maybe we longed for here in this life. We'll be at home where we're wanted and desired and love will be unconditional. And it just gets better through all of eternity. I can't think, I can't imagine that there would be one person, and every one of us in here probably lost a, a dear friend, a family member, or somebody like that. That if that family member was invited to say, would you like to come back to earth? I can't believe that a woman would say, oh yeah, I'm ready to go. Who wants to leave heaven? Heaven is great. Heaven is magnificent. And the thing of it is, God just pulled back a little piece of the curtain so John could take a peek. And this is what heaven looks like. And John describes it for us here in these chapters 
of the revelation. I want to share with you, leave with you some things concerning heaven this morning. Number one, it's found in chapter 22, verse 1. He showed me a pure river of the water of life. The Bible was describing, <clears throat> making a description of heaven. It's not some kind of a sentimental, wishful thinking type of a deal. Uh, and sometimes we're going to go back to Eden just a little bit. We're going to make a momentary trip back to Eden uh, in this message because in Eden there was a river of life. You might remember that. It was in uh, Genesis chapter 2. A river that flowed from Eden into the garden of Eden. And in this passage, we see this river, but now it flows from the throne of God. And we see the parallels here that God has placed in his word. Remember when Jesus met that woman at the well in John chapter 4? Remember what he told her in verse 13? He says, everyone who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. And that water I will give him will become a spring of water that's going to lead to eternal life. God gives us life-changing, life-giving water. Take a look also at John chapter 7. I need to turn there real quick. I want to show you something here. John chapter 7, beginning in verse uh, 37. On that last day, he's talking about the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit here. This is also sometimes referred to as a river of life, a river of water. On that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We become, a, we become a source of living water when we allow the spirit of the living God to, to flow through our lives. I, I just can't help but put in a little VBS plug right here. This sounds pretty odd. We're talking about heaven, and now we're going to switch to VBS. Are you kidding me? No, not really. Allow that river of living water flow out of you into some kids this summer, late July, early August. Okay? Jane will just love me for that. Thank you, Jane. <laughs> In the Garden of Eden, we see devastation of sin and separation from God. But in heaven, what we see here is a restoration to God. And we'll live happily ever after. The second thing here talks about a tree of life. That's in verse number two here. On the side of the street here, on the side of the river, there was a tree of life. I go back to Adam and Eve once again here. And in Genesis chapter uh, 3, they had already been disobedient to God. And they had sinned. And God banished Adam and Eve. Some people say, well, why did God kick them out of the Garden of Eden? Why didn't he allow them to at least stay there, even though they were, you know, going to have tr to deal with the sin issue? I believe it's this, and I don't think we talk about, I don't think, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say this, but if they, in their sin, if they would have eaten of the tree of life, think of this, folks, they would have lived forever, but they would have lived in their sin forever. And God says, get out of the garden. You're out of the garden because I don't want you to live in sin forever. I'm going to send a redeemer that will conquer the curse 
of sin so that you can live in eternity forever, not in a garden. Think about that one a little bit. Let that one kind of roll through your mind here for a little while. In heaven, the saints of God will eat from the tree and have the spirit of holiness filling their lives. Look at Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7. The letter to the Ephesian church, and they're challenged here to live fervently for God. And listen to what, uh, what Jesus says. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And in Revelation 22, verse 2, that is fulfilled for the saints of God. Number three, there will be no more curse. Verse three here says, uh, in fact, there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants will serve him there. No more curse. In the Old Testament, the curse was referred to as judgment against the sin of people and even against the nation of Israel because of their disobedience and because of their sin. In heaven, the curse of sin is totally removed. I don't think we have any comprehension whatsoever while we live here on this planet of the, of the vastness of the complexity of sin and all that sin has done in people's lives. Look, we can be redeemed. We can be born again. We can love God and fervently serve God. And yet the curse of sin can affect us, can touch our lives. You know this as well as I do. The reason we have sicknesses, the reason that people die, why is it? It's because of sin. We, lived on, we live on a sin-cursed planet, and thank God we've been redeemed but that redemption is complete in heaven for us. We can enjoy some of the effects of this here because it comes through repentance and acceptance of Christ as Savior. And we get a foretaste of that right here. I want to dwell, let me dwell on the negative here just for a moment here. What does the curse do to us? Well, first and foremost, it's going to death. That's, that's the biggest problem. The reason we die is because of sin. Does that mean I died because I'm a sinner? No, that's not what we're talking about. You've got to understand that. There's people running around that says, you died because of sin and that's got sin in your life. That's ridiculous. That's totally ridiculous. If I am redeemed and covered by the blood of Christ, no sin dwells in me. If it did, it'd prevent me from going to heaven. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed, and I'm ready to go to heaven. And yet there is a curse of sin that is going to affect my body. It's going to affect, it can affect my mind, it can affect my spirit if I allow it, and all of these other things. We need to understand this. And don't get all twisted up and tangled in some of these things. Dietrich Bonhoeffer <clears throat> prayed aloud just before the Nazis hung him. And this was his simple prayer, oh God, this is the end. But for me, it's just the beginning. I want you to listen carefully. We should never romanticize death because Jesus never did. He wept over death. He wept over it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 
54 says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. And that victory flows into our life because of Christ. Christ paid the debt. Christ paid for this. And we receive his victory. Let me tell you something about heaven. Let me tell you, you're not going to find a hospital in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. There's no heart disease in heaven. No diabetes in heaven. No arthritis. No sickness. No diseases. The curse of sin is totally broken. There'll be no more disappointments in heaven. No hurts. No discouragements. No shame. No deceit. No fear. No broken relationships. And on and on you can go. But there will be healing that flows from the throne of God. That's what heaven is all about. Number four, there's a new relationship to God. Number four, verse four says, they shall see his face and his name shall be upon their foreheads. I want to talk about that just for a moment. Not only the saints of God serve and worship God, but they will see his face. That's something brand new here. Take a look at these uh, things. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses could not look upon the face of God because God says, no man can see me and live. John chapter 1 and verse 18 says, No one has ever seen the face of God. And here in the eternal city, God's people will finally be able to see his face. We'll stand there face to face with him. You know, I'm not always, you know that I'm, I should say I'm always saying this. That God gives us a little foretaste of some of the stuff that he's going to do. In Matthew chapter 17 and verse 2, we see here what is called the transfiguration of Jesus. Here is where Peter, James, John, and Jesus went up on top of the mountain. And the Bible says the glory of God encompassed that mountain and those four people that were on it. It was an incredible moment where the glory, the glory of God touched all of their lives. It was a transfiguration. There were some other folks there, by the way. Elijah showed up. Wouldn't you imagine that? He's probably still riding around in that hot rod, fiery chariot of his. He was there. And the glory of God engulfed them. There's something else in this verse. It says, his name shall be on their foreheads. In the Old Testament, Aaron, the high priest, had a gold plate that would be in the front of a, a head uh, piece that he would wear, in which was saying, holy to the Lord. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, Jesus promised the victorious saints, I will write on them the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, and my new name. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17, the saints are promised a new name. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, 
We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Heaven is a place of revelation. Nothing is hidden. Everything is brought out into focus. Everything is brought into view. And we will see him. I need to inject something here. And I want this, I, w- I really want your full attention when I say this. Because I speak it as a warning. I believe heaven is going to be totally incredible beyond the ability of humanity to even put together, piece together words that can properly describe it. Please, listen to me. Please do not make any attempt to take a shortcut to get there. Are you listening to me? Do not take any kind of a shortcut in trying to get to heaven. If you are depressed and you feel there is no purpose for your life, I can tell you right now, nothing could be further from the truth. That may not dawn on you in the depth of your depression and the depth of your, discra- uh, your discouragement. But I want you to know something that could be nothing further from the truth. You are here on earth for a, a reason. And maybe that is somehow hidden from your life at this moment. But you have a purpose. And God knows exactly what that purpose is. And he knows what he's doing. There are a lot of godly people who have faced incredibly difficult and stressful situations. But please, in the name of Jesus Christ, do not make a terrible mistake. Finish what God has for you. Do that in the name of Jesus. He will take you home in his time and in his way. Keep on living, keep on doing, and I promise you, I promise you, God will show you a purpose, and it will make sense, and it will lift you from the darkness and the cloudiness of your discouragement. In heaven, the gates are always open. I think the, there's a song, and I don't know that I, I, I've sung it many times, but I don't recall the name of it. It says, He the pretty gates will open. And, you know, I'm always a stickler for the word. You know, wait a minute, they're always open anyway. We aren't keeping anybody anything out in heaven. Don't, don't kid yourself, those silly little cartoons that has, uh, you know, probably Peter standing at the gate with a checklist and say, Oh, wait a minute, I don't see your name here, get out of here. Uh, that's really not how it works. Today we live in a world of such darkness. The light comes from the sun, it comes from the lamps, these lamps in here. and In the eternal world, the presence of God is going to fill the place with his glory and with his radiance and with his light. In fact, the Bible says there won't even need to be an external light because the Lamb is the light. There's an old song, and I don't think I have the words to the... Yeah, I do too. I've spoken this before. In the city where the Lamb is the light, the city where there cometh no night, 
I have a mansion over there that's free from toil and care, and I'm going where the Lamb is the light. And that's heaven. You know, the Bible, uh, Randy Alcorn has written a book called Heaven, and it's a wonderful book. And if you haven't been able to get a copy of it, I think we've got a copy in our library. Uh, it's, it's worth buying, even. Uh, it, this is an incredible book. And he makes this statement, and I quote Alcorn, we see life differently when we realize death isn't a wall, but a turnstile, a small obstacle that marks a great beginning. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us everything that we would like to know about heaven, but it does tell us what we need to know about heaven. John was given a glimpse of heaven and was barely able to tell what he saw and only in heaven we'll be able to grasp completely the endless joy and wonder of it all. I thought many times, and I, I'm, you know, one of the benefits, I, I spent 23 years in the military. And when I was finished with my first six, I thought, you know, I think I'm going to get out. And, uh, but I was in Bible school, and we desperately needed money. And so I stayed in. And you stayed in, you stayed in, and a little bit longer, and a little bit longer, and then pretty soon, you know, I'm at 10 years or 11, hey, I'm halfway there. Maybe I should stay in a little bit longer. And you get a promotion here and a promotion there, and well, you know, I think I'll just, I'm gonna go for my 20. Well, I wound up at 23. And I'm gonna tell you something, folks. I remember setting, I remember doing all kinds of things, but one, one moment stands out in particular when we were taking some people out into a field area and it was just a downpour. And I thought, surely nobody wants to fight a war in this kind of weather. And I was sitting there just kind of, uh, and I was waiting for some people to do what they were supposed to do and they weren't doing what they were supposed to do and I'm sitting in, and you know, my vehicle had a really nice top, but in the military you take the top off which makes no, does that make any sense? If you had a convertible car and you drive out in a rainstorm, would you put the top off? No, of course not. But that's how it worked. And I'm sitting there, and it's a cold rain, and I'm sitting there watching these people kind of make mistake after mistake, and I'm gonna have to get up, I'm gonna have to slosh out there, and all of a sudden, I kind of had, I, I, I moved my head like this, and there was a little river of water that went right down my back. And it went all the way down my back. And I'm sitting here and just, oh, man. You know what I'm talking about? That was not pleasant. Heaven is going to erase all of that stuff. In this life, unpleasant things happen. Disappointing things sometimes. Sometimes we caused it and sometimes we're the result of it. And we look at things sometimes and say, what? why is this happening? Why? In heaven, the answers will be laid out in front of all of us. And we will understand, because we will not understand with the mind that God has given us today, the limitations of this mind. But we will understand 
with the mind of God because he's there with us and it will make sense. And we get to spend eternity with him. Janet, would you come back, please? The only thing that will keep you out of heaven, there's only one thing, sin. Sin will keep you out of heaven. The reason Jesus came to this earth was to take your sin and my sin by his death on the cross and then his resurrection from the dead you know, in about three weeks, we're going we're gonna to be celebrating Easter, Resurrection Sunday morning. Wow. And that power of that resurrection, him coming out of that tomb. Death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? I beat death. And he tells us, you're going to beat it too. You're going to be it and have victory in that death. Billy Graham, I remember writing one time, he wrote a, I think a column in, a, in some newspapers. I, I'm not terribly familiar with that, but I know he did. And he remembers responding to a letter of a young man who said, I just don't buy into all of this heaven stuff. I just don't buy into this, that there's this wonderful place I think when you die, you just die. You're just like that dead animal on the side of the road. And Billy Graham answered that question. He says, I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry that that's your opinion of eternity because it's not true. When we, the moment we draw our last breath, the next breath is of heavenly air. And we pass through that turnstile that Randy Alcorn writes about. And we come face to face with our Redeemer. Remember what I said? God created us with heaven in our hearts. Eternity in our hearts. And today we're closer to home than we were yesterday. Tomorrow we will be closer to home again than we were today here in church. Today, if there's the slightest troubling feeling in your mind or your heart, the slightest uncertainty about whether you are ready to leave or not, I want you to make sure. Folks, don't come in, don't sit here and say, I think I'm ready for heaven. If you're saying that today, I want to be kind to you and loving to you but if you say, I think I'm ready, it's a signal that you're not ready. It's a clear signal. People who are ready for heaven know they're ready for heaven because heaven is in our heart. And when we respond to Jesus Christ as a Savior and Lord, that that time of prayer, that commitment just locks that whole thing into our mind and spirit. I know that I know that I know 
I'm ready for heaven. Why? Because Jesus forgave my sin. It's so simple that little kids can understand it. And sometimes they understand it far better than us because we seem to want to try to analyze all this stuff. Don't analyze it. Accept it. Respond to him in simple childlike faith. And the answers to your questions will come as you grow in your faith. That's why I'm inviting you to to make that clear-cut relationship with Christ. Make sure you're trusting him. Nothing else. Nothing else. If you say, I've been a member of this church for 30 years. I was there on the first day. That's great. I love you. But if you haven't trusted Christ, that's not going to get you in heaven. I was baptized. That should get me in heaven. No, it won't. I went through the confirmation or whatever it is in some churches. That is not going to get you to heaven. It's a relationship with Christ. Know Jesus and just him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this <clears throat> I thank you this morning for the word of God and for the hope that Jesus Christ brings into our lives. Father, by simple childlike faith, I pray that people in this room, before we're dismissed, will make that decision an eternal decision, an eternal decision that will help them to know I'm right with God, my sins are forgiven, and I'm going to heaven. Father, I pray that nobody in this room would miss heaven because of pride. Nobody will miss heaven today because I think I'll put this off until later. I pray that they will understand that now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. So, Father, I pray for people. I pray for folks that really need to pray and ask Jesus Christ to be the Savior and the Lord of their life. So, Father, when we pray, we pray like this, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be the Savior and Lord of my life. Forgive my sin. I repent of my sin. And that means I don't just feel sorry for it. It means that I'm going in a new direction. My life is changing. I'm going to see to it. I believe Jesus died for me and that he rose from the dead today. I ask him in simple, childlike faith, come into my heart. Be the Savior and the Lord of my life. I will live for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.